Hey everybody, this is Dave Palumbo and you're listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Hello everybody, my name is Ian Taylor and welcome to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective, an awesome community of card collectors and creators. You can find our two groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast, so come check us out. With me as always is my co-pilot in all things Marvel Cards, and I was looking for inspirational family quotes for this intro, and found this Robin Williams quote which stood out. There's three things in the world that you need. Respect for all kinds of life, a nice bowel movement on a regular basis, and a navy blazer. Nothing to do with family, but I'd argue a fourth thing in there, and that's knowing rad. Thank you. And I include all three of those things, so it's just it's quite perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. Can I, can I just say, I really miss Robin Williams being in the world. Yes. I was thinking about this the other day. I think it was either the anniversary of his passing or the anniversary of his birthday, which is his birthday, I guess, recently. And there was a lot of stuff on Twitter. And mm. it just it was just like scrolling through joy, just all the quotes. Yeah. Um, really great was, stuff. Plus everything he was in, too. He was absolutely brilliant at everything. Oh, really was. He raised really the bar. Good. Absolutely everything. I think uh, my favorite Robin Williams movie has to be What Dreams May Come. Not a lot of people know that film. I've seen it's it. Re- it's a really pretty film. Really pretty mm. film. Yeah. I saw it on, it was released over here on Boxing Day. Um, oh. So it's a day after Christmas. Um, do you call Boxing Day Boxing Day in America? No, that's your Christmas, right? Or something like that. It's Whatever. the 26th of December. So it's the day after okay. Christmas. Okay. Stay after uh, Christmas. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, I remember going to it on Boxing Day and I went to it on my own and I was one of the only people in the cinema. I don't think it had a brilliant commercial release. Anyway. No, I don't I don't think it did either. No, I don't think it did either. We're off piste. Goodwill hunting is yes, mine. We already did. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good, good one. Good hunting. Absolutely astonishing yes. movie. Absolutely astonishing movie. Um I, I, I was looking for family quotes um because keeping it in the family do you like my segue here um Ooh. is what this week's show is all about <laughs> <laughs> oh it's tenuous um I, i'm absolutely thrilled that um our guest has uh, has, has agreed to come and talk to us um sir introduce yourself who are you uh hi guys i'm uh, dave palumpo good to be here hey um for those who don't know dave has recently been officially announced as the artist on marvel masterpieces 2020 (sighs) how you must feel about being able to talk about that uh yeah (laughs) i i lived with not talking about it for so long that by the time it finally got announced uh, i was strangely like completely unprepared i was, no. like, <laughs> I, oh, like i kind of almost even like forgot that i was getting ready to be able to like share this and so it was just like a scramble to like i, I didn't even say anything for a day because i was just like responding to other people saying things and oh wow so. <laughs> Oh wow! Did you kind of over here. <laughs> every single form of electronic communication you've had suddenly blow up? I, I mean, it wasn't like over the top, but it it was enough of uh, just kind of like reacting to this, reacting to that, uh, that 
by the time I was like, I should probably write something on my social media accounts about this. And it was like dinner time, which is <laughs> usually like not a good idea for when you make a, an announcement of any kind. So it's like, I'm going to wait until tomorrow. Cause if I post something that I'm going to have people like responding and I'm going to be asleep and yeah. Know, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, did how, did you did they give you much notice that they were announcing it? Did, did you know when it was going to happen? Or I I had uh, well, so that's the thing. Like originally, before I don't know like how much COVID had an effect on anything because a lot of what happens uh, at Upper Deck is is you know kind of outside of my vision. Sure, but um, I understood that the announcement was going to come earlier in the year. And then when all of this stuff started going on, uh, it started getting kind of like delayed. And then at a certain point, I, I honestly, like I had finished the work and I was starting to like get into other things. And I just kind of was like not thinking about it anymore, which is just very much how I am. Whatever I'm working on kind of like takes up my attention. And uh, so then yeah, I, I don't remember. I, I guess it must have been like a few days, maybe as much as a week ahead of time that they okay. uh, touched base because they wanted me to, you know, send them some additional like info for the for the press release and things like gotcha. that. So, gotcha. So then I knew like, oh, I guess this is happening soon. And um, yeah. And then it was like the morning of that I found out that it was that it was going to be like coming out that afternoon, I think. Yeah. So, wow. so, yeah. <laughs> we had that as well, didn't we? I woke up in the yeah. UK and, and I was like, this email had come in. It was like, okay, we've got six hours to. <laughs> yeah. Ian and I were flying trying to get this all together for the announcement, but um, which was great. Yeah, yeah. You guys pulled it off very well because it, it felt very like it felt like you were a lot more prepared than I was. <laughs> well, I I remember looking at Ian and I was like, man, did we actually like get this right on time over here? Because we just, I mean, it was it was crazy how fast we were moving. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it helps that I kind of often do that kind of thing in my work because I work in marketing. So I'm kind. <laughs> yeah, I think Ian froze a little bit. I'll edit this. Oh. Given the given the heads up in advance, that was that was um, um, a, a joy that Upper Deck allowed us into the fold for that. So thank you to um, Upper Deck on that one. Um, so I'm 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 kind of going to go all around because I've got loads of little conversation. Pete, I'm sure Noren's got some uh, some stuff he wants to ask as well. But um, just because you just no, said no, it, I'm okay. Um, I don't really I don't know if it's that much. I don't. No, I'm just joking. I'm jo I'm messing with Dave because Dave and I. Are, joking around <laughs> I've, I've already answered all of your questions <laughs> it's done this oh, was fun so oh, nice to meet you let's, let's just talk <laughs> let's just talk about the basketball or the football or something like that and then we'll not talk about any of this we'll just have a chat um i want well i i i, I thought it was interesting because you just mentioned that you kind of moved on to other stuff so um obviously we speak to a lot of different artists and they work in a lot of different ways. And, um, uh, I, I, I just find it fascinating because I'm, I'm not an artist in, in any, any way like that. I mean, I've, I've written stuff and I've written poetry before, but, um, um, nothing, nothing visual. So do you, um, do you kind of like, um, I guess the words are emotionally detached from it, from it a little bit. And then, 
by necessity when you move on to working on a new piece or a new commission or I, I think uh, I think it's just my I, I I don't think that that's related to my painting exactly. I think that's just how I am with everything. Like oh. you know, whatever I'm, whatever is in front of me is is what most of my attention is focused on. And uh, uh, like just you know, an example like I need to get some packages ready to get to the post office before they close but oh i don't have my packing tape i need to go downstairs and get the packing tape and then in the process of doing that i see a thing that i meant to get to earlier and, and you know like an hour and a half later i'm like oh the post office you know so it's just like <laughs> uh very very kind of um just yeah the, the thing in front of me and and then i'm like uh once i'm done with a project usually i can't share it so like this is the extreme example of that working yeah. on all these pieces for that much time and not being able to share or talk about anything. But in general, I'm used to uh, whatever I'm whatever I'm painting is probably not going to be releasing publicly for, you know, a couple of months to a year. And so I'm, I'm just really, you know, that's just how it goes. And if mm. if. I am really excited about something that I just finished, which I usually am. I'm used to being like, well, you know, sooner or later I'll get to put this out. Mm. And by the time it releases, I'm thinking about something else. And so oftentimes I, I might not even really like properly share stuff that I was excited about like six months ago when I was painting it. But it's like, oh, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> it's why if you if you go to my Instagram uh, my posts sometimes so like there will just be like these big gaps where I'm not putting anything out because it's like I don't have anything I can share right now that I'm sure. working on and yeah. I'm just not thinking about going back and looking at like what stuff did I you know mm. Did I miss yeah. what fell between the cracks? So, yeah. well, for our listeners, we should also emphasize. Uh, Dave, could you talk about some of the other franchises you worked with? Some other things that we sure. might have seen your art from? Yeah, uh, probably the longest running is is Magic, which um, I'm actually I I was <clears throat> working. Excuse me, one second. I was working. Um, from about 2008 for Magic the Gathering up through pretty continuously up through about the middle of Masterpieces. And then I kind of went on hiatus with them uh, just because it was getting to that point where I needed to be focusing all my attention on the project. But, um, but yeah, so it's like a slightly more than 10 year stretch of, of, uh, working with Wizards of the Coast. Uh, so a lot of Dark Horse covers, usually for either the Alien franchise and kind of like related, like Alien, Predator, Prometheus, mm. or uh, covers for Joe Golem, which is Magnolia property, but not as far as I know. I don't think he's ever worked on any of the comics directly, but he's kind of like the, I guess you'd say he's like the producer of that sure. title. Um, uh, those are super fun. It's like pulpy detective occult stuff. Oh, and, uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, if, if you haven't, if you don't know those, they're, they're cool. You'd probably dig them. Uh, yeah, I know that you're into right the, 
the weird horror stuff and that. Yeah, kind of I'm gonna have to check that out because I, I I didn't I don't know about that, but that's really awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, those those are like the easy ones there's always like random other projects going on um i do book covers here and there i have done like a bunch of stuff for sideshows order the dead sideshow collective and um i always try to have some personal work going on i do uh it's for basically like off and on uh doing like gallery work which is pretty different from my uh, commercial illustration and uh, my fr- is there anything that you're thinking of? I've, I've done a bunch of illustrated novels, uh, not that I wrote, oh. but for other people's books. No, uh, but- I mean, I remember I remember seeing your stuff and I mean, I remember seeing your stuff before the Masterpieces announcement. I mean, I, I didn't know you or anything like that, but I, you know, I followed your page and I remember seeing the occult stuff and the horror stuff and, you know, the yeah. sideshow piece, which I'm absolutely a huge fan of um, from Core of the Dead. And I remember seeing them. I was just like, wow, this is I had no idea about the relation or anything like that. I just knew that yeah, the art was yeah. you know, really beautiful um, because I like all that creepy stuff. And I remember seeing your work in MTG, too. So I was yeah. kind of Magic the Gathering. So I was that's, like, oh, this is crazy. Like seeing the that. biggest longest running property that I'm connected with, but I don't think of myself as being like a prominent, like there are certain magic artists who are kind of, I think you would say like the, the face of the game. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like, like they're, um, uh, like Chris Ron, for example, uh, tends to do a lot of the like really premier pieces and and that kind of thing. And so like, I've been with them for a long time, but I'm, uh, just like a support player (laughs) in in my mind anyway. uh, The way you describe it makes me think of Saturday night live in a way <laughs> yeah a little bit, you know. yeah like one of those cast members who's who's been on for a long time but it's like the oh that guy yeah okay he shows up in the background sometimes in adam sandler movies or something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the, the fifth ghostbuster that kind of thing yeah. You're way way yeah. too modest my friend way too modest uh, uh, but yeah that's amazing man yeah because i just you know um i know listeners well the real fun treat of it was when we this all first started when everyone was kind of sniffing around to try to figure out who was mm 2020 we went on a a, many people went on a mad dash to try to figure out whose signature that was or who saw these (laughs) images and and i just remember everything kind of surrounding that me and ian being like i wonder who it is and trying to figure out all these crazy connections Uh, when the the signature was going around and i was like no one's gonna figure this out unless they're a diehard collector of magic like signed magic cards uh because it's yeah it's indecipherable you can kind of get my initials from it you know but uh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm missing a lot of letters when I sign my name. <laughs> well, interestingly, a lot of people, um, one of the first big guesses were um, Dave DeVries. A lot of people thought it was Dave DeVries. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for some sure. reason, yeah, yeah, because of the D, we all were kind of like, oh, really? No way. Could it, could it be him coming back or whatever? And then I remember it going around that everyone thought it was the bodybuilder. 
that shares the name with you, which was hilarious. I was like, could I wonder, he be if, he got, I wonder <laughs> if he got any of my email for a change. I get his email every once in a while. And, I uh, guarantee you did. <laughs> I guarantee you someone was like, all right, what pieces do you have? Let's see them. I guarantee you that happened. You see, this is, this is where the two Daves, you see, because Dave DeVries gets David DeVries' checks. Yeah, well, Australian artist. So yeah, yeah poor guy. That's next level. So <laughs> yeah, that is next level. Well, if you start getting the other guys' checks, that's when you know you've you've that's you've probably like. crossed the streams. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, how how long did it take you to to? Because you've did 135 pieces, I think I read, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is the same as the figure that Simone did for um, 2018. How long did that? Did that take you start to finish? Uh, so I got, I got contacted in June of 2018. And, and then there was a kind of a longer period than you might expect of just kind of like getting contracts in order, mm. things like that. Like, I think it was probably August that I actually started uh, okay. getting, getting to functionally like do anything um and then uh yeah that carried through april of this year so just under two years and wow. i was uh still doing work with other clients while that was going on and gradually taking less until Probably, so I took another project that I knew was a bad idea, but I couldn't say no to in the fall of 2019. And that was the point where I was like, nothing else comes in until this is all finished up yeah. in April. And then effectively from like January to April, I was just 100% uh, working on Marvel. So, yeah. It was it was like very much a ramping up at the beginning, and by that by the end there, I was just like really in the rhythm, and mm. and everything was moving at like a very smooth, fast pace. Wow, that's good. Wow, that's awesome. So you know, we when we spoke to Jennifer Wu, she mentioned how she found uh, Simone. Uh, Simone Bianchi and how she found him at a con mm -hmm. and then they ended up talking. Um, so how were you kind of tapped for this? How did that story come I, along? I don't know. I was actually, cause I know you guys talked to Jen uh, and I haven't heard the interview yet because you haven't released it as of this week. while we're talking right now. Mm, so yeah. I was hoping <laughs> that that story might be in there, but apparently it's not. Uh, I don't know. Um, they, she had actually written to me uh, probably a year earlier, I want to say, or, or six months to a year prior about doing a project that had nothing to do with any of this. And I think it was something where it was like the timing of it or the this it might have been just like the scope of what they needed and the time that they had to get it done just was not going to work for me. And so I had to turn it down. And then the next I heard from her was an email that was like, we're going to send you an NDA. We want to talk to you about a, a project or I don't remember how she worded it. It was something it might, she might said it was for Marvel. I don't remember. But it was something where I was just kind of like, that sounds like a Marvel Masterpieces set, but that's not what it's going to be, because why would that be something that 
they would talk to me about. Like it was, it was just kind of like, uh, okay, send me the paperwork. I would love to hear whatever this thing is going to be. And then we got on the phone after I sent in my NDA, and that was when we like had the first real kind of like conversation about details or anything. So, wow. Yeah. Well, it makes total sense seeing the art now. Of course, I mean, just amazing. <laughs> well, uh, well, it was something that yeah, I I didn't. Um, I, I, I think that she did mention, uh, the work I've done for Dark Horse as being something that they were looking at. Um, I don't remember if she mentioned magic, but that seems like it might've been relevant. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's something that I was like, I, I don't really have superhero experience, but I definitely am interested, you know, like that. That was something that I thought that I was going to do before I started learning how to paint. I thought I was going to draw comic books. And specifically, I was always a Marvel fan. So, yeah, when it was like, oh, my God, I, I just kind of at a certain point figured I don't think this is what I'm going to do. But it turns out like I'm super excited. Yeah, like it's crazy. Yeah, it does. It does feel karma it, it kind of feels like karmically it feels like the right thing but i'm saying 100 uh, and not you know i'm not living your life or, or you <laughs> so um but um yeah it's <laughs> i don't feel like there's yeah i don't know to me it was more of just kind of like i am really appreciative that i'm getting this opportunity mm-hmm. and i'm appreciative that i'm getting it now as opposed to at some point in the past, because I feel like I've made a lot of, um, I've learned a lot of things from prior experience on other things that I'm glad I didn't learn on this job. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like if if I if I had uh, gotten this sooner, I think I would have very possibly not been up to the challenge or or. Uh, not done a job that I would be happy with in the end. So I felt like it came at a good time also. Yeah. Wow. How long after that conversation with Upper Deck did you ring your mum? <laughs> uh, 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 legally she found out when you guys found out I don't know interesting <laughs> okay there we go there we go very good answer nice. very good answer good job, i tried i tried i tried no um, <laughs> impressive impressive impressively done how many of these i'm always curious about this do you have because i know that if if you're um uh, like a film person for example um or an actor in a play they have kind of a um um uh, so some sort of obligation to do a certain amount of PR mm-hmm. uh, for things, and I guess in this in this day and age, it's not like um, Joe Jusco back in '92 where they did a tour, a comic shop tour across America, mm-hmm. um, and and I guess also for this one, even with Simone in 2018, was able to have that gallery opening at uh, Metropolis in New York, yeah. um, which obviously you're not going to be able to do this time for. You know reasons. Um, so how you know we? I know that you've done a YouTube video with with a, a fine fella uh, recently. But have you got kind of quite a lot of these lined up that you that you kind of have have been asked to do to promote the, the product? I guess uh, I have a couple, and I'm not really sure exactly. Like so, Upper Deck had contacted me. I think you spoke with Jody 
yeah. about arranging some of these. And she's been setting up a, a couple of yeah. other PR things. Initially, yeah, I was, I was, I think it was part of my contract that I'm supposed to be at like X number of convention appearances and that sort of thing. And um, I still want to, yeah, you know, hopefully next year uh, get to get to you know uh, go to New York. Comic Con or San Diego or wherever, mm. whatever's going to be going on back when cons start back up again. But yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. There's there's a few, uh, not a lot. Weirdly, like this week, I'm also talking to a couple other people, but it's like about other stuff, and I never really do interviews, so it's just like a weirdly busy <laughs> week. Yeah, uh, uh, just everybody happens to be. Maybe it's the, the time of the year. Everybody's like launching different things. But, Possibly, uh, yeah. Possibly. So, yeah. so for the set, so let so I think I think we're ready, and I think we're ready to get into this. We can't talk about everything. We can only talk about what was revealed. Um. But in terms of some of the pieces we've seen, all right, um, are there any stories with those pieces, things you were especially uh, excited about with one of the pieces or anything that fun stories that we could hear about just to get a little understanding? I wish that we could talk about everything. Um, I know. Because we I will, know though. we've only seen a fraction of it. So We've only well, seen a fraction of the beauties. Like 10, 10% maybe, I guess. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. It's been about like well, 14 if, pieces released. It, if you're up for it, we'll have a no-holds-barred everything interview once the set is all to. public. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely going to have that. to. Although uh, we, won't, we won't force you to go through all 135 pieces. We'd never do that That's not what anyone. we talked about, Ian. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Never. We have our plan. Um, I don't nice. know where to start. I feel like I'm better at, at uh, reacting than at. Uh, well, can I can, I can I can I start then? Uh, I'll start if sure. you don't mind. With I know where um, you're gonna start. <laughs> no, I'm, well, no, you think I'm going to go Black Cat. I'm not. I'm going to go Wolverine. Ooh. The reason I'm going to go Wolverine is because, A, I know a lot more people dig Wolverine than Black Cat, and B, is because we both know your photo reference for that for that painting. Um, our buddy, um, Pat. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, uh, at least I believe he was photo reference for that painting. This is where I'm, it's going to yeah, be horribly yes. embarrassing if you say no, he wasn't. Um, I, we, we've, we've only seen the what if uh, version of that, so we haven't kind of seen seen it clean without all, all of the um, all oh, of the artwork on there. Fair point. Yeah. So yeah, on my site, I only had the available pieces up, and since that piece is uh, that one went off to Upper Deck, and so uh, ah okay. I don't have that anymore, so I didn't post the image. But I, I should put that up in the gallery just for, for it to. Be yeah, there. sorry, I'm um, looking at the images that Upper Deck released as part of the um, yeah, the, teaser, if you yeah, like. Yeah, they they used the the Hulk one, Hulk one eighty one. That's right. The, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I I guess first of all, for me, is is the choice of costume on that because it's it's a. Uh, and I'm. This is where I get hazy. You'll probably tell me I'm wrong because my Wolverine knowledge isn't isn't the best. But that looks like a very early. So I am curious. So he had that very first costume, and then he went at a certain point to the that kind of like golden brown 
Mm. Yes. Yeah. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. And, then it, and and then I think it came back to this costume. Yes. Afterwards. And I feel like this is not the early version because the early version, his mask looked kind of yeah. strange. Yeah, they had a different thing going on with his with his with his face. Yeah, uh, it was I don't more, think they had the more points. cat-like. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's right. So so I don't know if maybe in the end the way it came out is somewhere in between the two, but I think just going by the mask, like I interpret this as what I think of just kind of his most long long running mm. uh classic costume so that was one of the things that they were actually kind of specific about was which version which costume version of the characters uh they weren't real specific about very many things but um they i did get uh a, a big um kind of like reference spot that was uh for <clears throat> excuse me whatever characters i was going to be doing like here's here's reference of what that character looks like and i think that there might have been a couple in there where there were various costumes included which kind of to me suggested use whatever costume you and it's possible for the other ones i could have used whatever costume i wanted either but i just was like okay this is you know we're going with yellow costume Wolverine, so I'm good with that, you know. That's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, and I, honestly, like, I do like that uh, brown and gold costume, but this one feels like the classic to me, so... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I, I love this one too. And I love what you did with the composition too, right? I love seeing the cityscape behind him and kind of like leaping out with all oh, the, thanks. you know, the, the hoodlands, uh, whatever they're called, you know, the yeah. <laughs> standard villains that are down Red there <laughs> getting yeah. all, all yeah. slashed up. Poor um, guys. Poor guys. <laughs> But I love it, man. Just so much fun. And it's so iconic Wolverine, too. I remember when I saw it, I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's that's kind of perfect for him. And it works really well with what they're doing with the card and the text for the what if as well. Thanks. Yeah. So I actually I have gotten to see at this point all of the what ifs uh, from the, the, they sent me like all the stuff to oh, sign cool. you know and that was i think like one of the most fun things is going through and and just seeing like they were not always choosing whatever i would have expected for that character to be the cover design you know what i mean like mm-hmm. in this case to pick hulk 181 like they could have gone with any number of iconic wolverine covers like the wolverine number one that was uh, like his, uh, uh, I want to say like 80s when he had his first like solo title, you know? Oh, the yes. uh, Frank Miller one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, that was the miniseries, but then That's he, right. he got just like his own ongoing series. That's right. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. like there's, there's a bunch of different ones mm. they could have gone with. But so yeah, going with the first appearance was, was cool. And um, so yeah, it was, it was really fun to get to see like they did such a good job. There were some uh, pieces in the set that actually, when I'm looking at like how they printed, I felt like the colors were a little different from what I expected them to look like, you know, like, cause I know what mm-hmm. the original looks like, but then when I saw them with the what if titles on, it almost felt kind of like, oh, okay. They were kind of like it to, to play with, with the 
I don't know if that's the case, but that's what it seemed to me because everything with the what if looks like fantastic. Like, sure. wow, it's just, it, it just looks super cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it must be a crazy experience to see these because what's really lovely about what you've done on your site where you're selling them um, is that you put them on the is uh, the easel on the as easel. well. Beautiful. So we. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I mean, what a great smart. I mean, you rock, Dave. I mean, being able to <laughs> let us see. No, seriously, man. And uh, the camera collection as well, which is really oh, great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is sick. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Slowly taking over. <laughs> uh, we collectors understand this feeling. So no worries whatsoever. You're in good company. Yeah. But yeah. I think that was a really beautiful choice because, you know, it's weird when you see a painting flat, when you see a digital image of a painting as opposed mm-hmm. to seeing a canvas and obviously mm. you're wise enough to make it tilted so you can really see the light play well mm. on the piece and it just makes like i'm looking at star lord now and looking at the difference i love them both 100 percent. but looking at how the image sits flat as a digital image as opposed to on canvas those blue easy. and yeah. reds yeah. that's crazy the blue where the where, how that blue from the blaster and the red explosion behind him such a contrast Mm. really plays with the dimensions of the piece and you can just really tell from seeing a painting like I, I i think that's the thing i was the most jealous of with bianchi and people getting to go to the gallery i think is because Uh-oh. there really is no other more experience than seeing these beautiful pieces in person like you just don't get the full effect right away yeah you know? I, I i and that's like honestly um, you know, I don't want to be holding on to these indefinitely until at some point in the future, I would be able to put together an in-person show. Um, mm. so I am a little bit like bummed out about not getting to do something along those lines. I remember, uh, probably when I was a student going to the Brandywine Art Museum and seeing all of NCYF's Treasure Island paintings. Like when you go there, they have the the one full gallery when you walk in and it's just, uh, they're all lined up along the walls and every piece, I think they're, each one of them is 30 by 40. They're fairly big, uh, wow. but they're all the same. They're all the same size and shape as each other. And there's something really cool about that too. Like see uh, all of these this this series of related images that are all like you took pages from the books and and made them enormous and put them on the wall and you can just stand there in a room and see them all at the same time and uh yeah i I didn't get to go see the bianchi show um but i've seen photos of it it looks like a similar experience of just that that kind of like uh yeah that 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 moment you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we get to see yeah. them all. Well, hopefully one day us collectors can have something where we can bring our collections to a show or something and, you know, we can have, you know, do a thing or whatever. But, you know, talking about the pieces and the sizes and all that kind of stuff, you know, the thing I really want to start getting in the habit of doing on the show is talking to the artists and getting and asking them, you know, you know, what are your brushes, your paints? What were your choices on the canvas sizes? You know, just to get a behind the scenes on on your time creating these pieces yeah uh i honestly like don't change that stuff up very much um i have like the surface that i work on the the brushes that i work with the palette that i put out it's pretty much you know from one thing to the next the same uh the size of the piece will change you know depending on 
how it's going to be printed usually like uh if i know something like those sideshow the pieces i did for sideshow collectibles that yeah. i knew were going to be printed as large posters uh those paintings were all done fairly big for me uh because i i know they're going to be printed big um something that's going to be reduced to a trading card you know i i usually would do those at 12 by 16 which is what most of these are some of them i did larger um but uh yeah i it's it's funny you mentioned the camera collection uh because i have this real kind of like fixation on like i i, I really enjoy photography and i also really enjoy the um the experience of handling these objects all the different cameras and each one has its own uh cool things about it each one is kind of like a little like beautiful piece of industrial design you know yeah. some more than others of course but but there is like a fetishization of the tools and i, and I i'm like very much aware that that doesn't make the photos better that there's no reason i ever 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 need to buy one single other camera or lens at this point like <laughs> i could get rid of 90 percent of what i have and be fine for the rest of my life uh but i still think it's just fun to experiment and play with when it comes to my painting it's like the complete opposite like i figured out what works for me and then i just keep doing it and don't think about it at all uh wow. going forward and the only reason i ever probably like i had to start experimenting with new brands of brushes because the kinds i was using for so many years was discontinued and it got to be impossible right. to find them you know and so it's not like this isn't fun for me it's, it's not, <laughs> you know like it's not like uh, i can't wait to go try out some new brushes it's like uh, all right i gotta try and find something that's that's gonna work and not get chewed up real fast because you know, yeah um so yeah uh I, I i don't know i guess that means that i probably do have real specific reasons for arriving at the decisions let me see if i can kind of go through those uh i work on panel i've always preferred a rigid surface um i think that canvas looks great and has a certain interesting like way that the paint kind of blends really nicely on canvas which is something to do with the the texture and the bounce of it uh so it it does in some ways make it easier to work with but i like the the kind of uh hard edge crispness that panel gives me and so that tends to be more often what i work on i almost never deviate from that and i like to prime it with a really kind of like rough sort of texture i don't think it's really easy to see in any of these you'd have to really get in there and look closely but and on the originals you can see that they have like uh ripples and pebbles in in the surface um i think that that's something for me that just makes the like whenever i'm doing anything that has like a dry brush effect it can pull out some really interesting organic textures there that i wouldn't have been able to plan but they really look cool on the piece and also um there's lots of cat hair just floating around my house and you don't <laughs> notice as much of it I, and this is like half a joke but it's really like seriously when the painting is done and you're like varnishing it and putting it in a frame and there's 
like hair and dust and stuff inevitably always in any yeah. surface. So the more meticulous your surface is, the more that stuff is annoying. And I think that at some point I was just like, I'm just going to go the other way and make my surface chaotic. And then that stuff just kind of blends right in and you, it's, it's a camel. So are you telling me that there's actual wow. cat hair on the black cat paint? Oh, oh yeah. There's, I mean, my, my surface is like at least 4% cat hair. Yeah. Really? Okay. That makes yeah. me feel. That's that a secret ingredient. You're not mm. supposed to give that update. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret sauce, man. Oh, yeah. God. Uh. Yeah, no. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. Uh, yeah, uh, the the brushes I work with tend to be just, um, I, I like square tip. Uh, I have a few certain sizes that I always use. Um, and um, yeah, my, my color palette, it's very bright and prismatic. And if you've been familiar with my work prior to the Marvel stuff, my work tends to be not very bright and prismatic. And uh, I don't know why those two things happen to be happening at the same time, but I, I work with really, I think that part of it is I did learn a lot of, um, I was going to school to learn to paint and then close to when I was graduating, I started working on trying to get an illustration portfolio together. And that was when I went and actually like sat down and took some lessons from my mom and from Boris. And a lot of my palette, I think, is influenced by them. And and it's changed over, you know, 15-ish years. But, uh, but yeah, they both have a very like prismatic, you know, lots of cadmiums and things like that. And, um, and, and yeah, so, so there are certain things about my process that have changed over the years, but there's always these weird little holdovers. And I think there are the, the biggest one that's changed very little from what I learned from working with them was, was my palette choices. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Wow. So, um, I noticed a couple of them. We can see that you did them a little bit bigger, and the, um, mm -hmm. the Spider-Man um, one looks to be one of those larger ones, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken, uh, from looking at this. And that, that's absolutely astonishing. And we know that's one of two that you've done, at least, mm -hmm. um, because um, they released the image of, of uh, one of the canvas gallery cards, I believe, mm -hmm. uses the... Yeah. the um, and that actually makes sense to me. Uh, well, obviously, Peter Parker being a photographer, but with your cameras <laughs> in there is, is, is obviously in the background there. Yeah, so yeah. so that, that one that they released, did you actually use the spe any specific lens of any one of your cameras? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of almost don't want to say which one it is. No, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just curious. Just as, I, as long as you sell it with the painting or sell it as like an artifact item. I think that's I, the most important part. Uh, <laughs> I, I intend to keep it because I like shooting with it but uh, but I did want to I did want it to be something that Peter Parker may have used in a, right. in a kind of like sort of 60s 
possibly even 70s era. He probably wouldn't have used wow. it in the 70s. I think it would have been a little out of date by then. But uh, but also, like, he was always on a shoestring budget. So who knows? Yeah. I don't know. You know. See, I love that so much that you took the time to make it, like, contextually I mean, accurate, make it fun. See, that's what that's, matters, though. That's that's just my camera nerd, though. Like that's, But I like that. That's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's, we're two, that's we're like, two for two at the moment. We've got, yeah, we've got I, cat hair on the black cat painting, and we've got one of your actual cameras, one of your favorite cameras, in one of the Spider-Man paintings. So this is, <laughs> this is going well. Yeah, <laughs> it's... it's uh, you know, you whenever you're working on these things, you're sitting there in your room by yourself and you got to make it fun. Mm, so, yeah. you know, hundred <laughs> percent. I um, there are so many pieces here that I'm I'm gobsmacked by all of them. Quite frankly, um, another one that really we've touched on Star Lord, but another one that stood out for me just because of how different it is to to the other ones that we've seen so far. And I think by necessity, because of the sensory nature of the character is the daredevil, mm-hmm. um, which I believe you, you put an Instagram post up and, and, and mentioned a little bit about your thinking behind that piece, but, but just, just kind of for our listeners and uh, sure. daredevil's a big, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a big daredevil fan uh, along with Spidey. So to, to, Tell, tell us a little bit about your, your kind of thinking and your choices on that one. Yeah, uh, so I wanted to, to be really uh, minimalist on this particular one. And I tried not to do that too often with these, like have just a, a figure on an actual plain flat background or anything. But in this case, it felt appropriate to me because uh, I wanted that that sense of like... It always seems to me like when when Daredevil's really like concentrating, like that that kind of like he's he's listening for a really specific, uh, you know, he's he's like trying to find a person who's been kidnapped or trying to track the you know the villain who's making their getaway, and so he's like up there on the rooftop and he's he's just like filtering out everything and and mm-hmm. really uh, trying to to just hear that one very specific sound that he's looking for. So, yeah, I wanted to have him uh, in in that sort of almost like gargoyle pose, you know, like perched up there on the yeah. corner of the roof. And, uh, and, and black, white, and red as a color combination, I think, always is has, has a really kind of like dynamic punch to it. So with the red mm-hmm. costume, you know, the idea of having him on this this you know, really kind of like stark, empty background uh, with the concentric rings of the sonar uh, felt like a way to go. It was every once in a while with one of these also is one of those things where I'm like, I feel certain that I've seen this. Like you get an idea and you're like, somebody's done this, right? And I'm mm-hmm. sure that somebody has done this, um, but I couldn't find anything that looked quite like what I wanted to to do. And so that's the main thing is like all these characters have been imagined and, and visualized so many times, you know, so as yeah, long as it's yeah. not like too much like, oh, yeah, like I was constantly as I was sketching these, like getting on Google. And if I had an idea for something <laughs> like, wait, I, let me let me at least check all the other masterpieces versions of this character. Like, make sure, <laughs> make sure there's no copy specifically in the masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, Daredevil yeah. has that graphic as I mean, I feel like for me, like Frank Miller, you know, Daredevil, uh, like there's Daredevil issues and Daredevil pieces I've seen where you always see that graphic presence, right? Because mm-hmm. Daredevil has that kind of um, 
graphic weight to him because his mm-hmm. silhouette so well defined that you yeah. get to have those moments. But I think I honestly, it's one of my favorite pieces and it didn't take until maybe like the third or fourth time I was stalking the photo where I noticed the ledge was red. Yes. I, I didn't it's catch like it. It's like he's really, made of the same material. It's yes. that gargoyle reference you just made. That's really yeah, good. And that kind of clicked as soon as you said that. I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, that's, that's, I think it's just, I really, I really think it's a great piece. And I think, and I, Ian and I have talked about this privately too, like some of the masterpiece cards and things that your mom has done as Boris has done and other, you know, masterpiece artists that our listeners will know about. I think when they vary it up and they do Mm -hmm. these kind of like quick little surprises or like, you know, two or three or four pieces, like whatever, however many it is, I find it extremely refreshing, you know, and you, you get that kind of, I don't know. Just it's it's something that works on a big canvas and then works on a really small space too. Yeah. That I think I, yeah, I really appreciate yeah. the piece. Really lovely. And that's something like uh, getting so many years of of doing the magic cards really helped um, me kind of figure out how to create images that are going to read small because uh, those are even smaller like they're printed on a card the same size but they only get half of the card they're bordered, dedicated aren't they? to the yeah yeah because yeah, there's the so um yeah uh, uh um, probably in part because of working on those but at some point i got in the habit of doing my preliminaries as as small pieces usually typically i would do them around four by six inches i did prelims for these at five by seven uh for, for all the pieces and and um that was something i know it's gonna if it if it works at that size as a painting at that size so um when i'm you know sketching out my idea and i'm gathering my reference and putting everything together uh if i can't make it work as a little five by seven monochromatic painting something's wrong in the in the structure of it you know something needs i need to go back and uh you know rearrange my composition i need to clarify my shapes you know something is off in the value scale like if 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 it's not working at that small size then i know it's going to be a waste of time to try and fix it in the painting it's it's like fundamentally a flaw needs to be corrected at that point brilliant that's amazing we've seen examples of that from other people as well for for your preliminary pieces um the, you said they were monochromatic, you know, I, I'm sorry, yeah. my ignorance, you know, my ignorance isn't, you know, I, I don't know that much about this stuff. Um, the Black Widow one we saw was red with uh, so black. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm using monochromatic a little bit loosely because you're right. They are uh, black and white on a red surface, which oh, cool. because black and white actually have slight color variations to them. It's all, you know, it's physical paint. <laughs> so uh, wow. I, I actually get a little bit of color and temperature variation just from the thickness of it also. So if I put down a really thin uh, gray on top of the red, it's going to be different. It, if I put a thick gray, it's going to be cooler. If I put a mm-hmm. thin uh, it's going to have more of the red showing through, so it's going to be warmer. So I get a little bit of like 
clay and what temperature and color on those. I, I do have a couple here to show you guys of those. Oh. I can't show you many, unfortunately, because most of the, um, you know, they have the, uh, the redemptions yeah. for the for the sketches. So most of the base, well, all of the base set pieces have um, already been sent out to Upper Deck, and most of the images that have been released are from base set cards. So I only have a few here, but my screen is so tiny. Um, wow. But yeah. So like this is this is what we're talking about with the wow. uh, the way that I can get like the gray almost comes out like the blue in Spider-Man's costume. Gotcha. And then in this case, I'm, I'm just leaving the red, like completely just untouched because the red of his costume really pops. It's part of what's going to make the image work. So like I said, I only, hey, that is, that's beautiful, man. Oh, like here's a, here's a star Lord. Oh, uh, and, uh, yeah. So, Oh, and I brought, I, I, I got this one out. I wanted to show the process from start to finish. So uh, initially I'm doing something, I don't know if you can see this. I can see wow. it if, if it makes it easier, but um, this is just my pencil where I'm kind of like working out. I probably have a bunch of Venoms. Venom was a tough one for me. Oh, really? I was going to ask if there was any particular character that we've seen that was a, was a challenge. So, there, uh, yeah, uh, there's there's one that was like really hard, and I can't explain why. And it's a character I ended up having to do several times, but they haven't shown any pictures yet. So of course, yeah. Didn't talk. Silver about Surfer, that, but... right? Got it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bad joke. I'm sorry. Not trying. Not trying. I was just getting that in there. God. <laughs> it, it might be in a different book. Some, sometimes I would be like working on so it might have been that I was working on Venom and just not happy with what I was coming up with and I was like alright well I've got 134 other characters to work on here so I'm going to give Venom a break and uh, come back later and and then like yeah I think that that was what happened here because I'm not seeing them in this book but in any case um, after a bunch of like not good Venoms uh, end up with with the one that I decided to go with on this yeah. piece. And then uh, from that, that point, I actually sent that into Samantha, who was my art director. Um, and I would send her like, cause I knew there was going to get, there's, there's going to be time that gets eaten up in the approvals process. Yeah. And with this many pieces, I wasn't sure how that was going to affect my schedule. Like, you know, it's like, I know I can get this work done, uh, but if it takes like a month to get feedback or whatever, that, that could run into problems as far as like me just sitting on my hands waiting for something to do. So I wanted to, which it turned out to really not be the case. Like they were very quick with feedback, but, oh, wow. um, I wanted to always have uh, multiple stages in process at the same time. Sure. So I would I would do a whole uh, group of these pencils like the one I was just showing you and send those in to Samantha. And then um, she would give me notes based on those. Most of the time, it was just like, that looks great. Gone ahead. Every once in a while, there was a thing like, oh, you... Uh, there's like certain rules like 
you guys are probably familiar with some of the things that cannot be shown on a card, yep. you know, that, yeah. Uh, and, and I got those up front, but it turned out there were always like one or two other things where they're like, Oh, that's not really like a rule, but maybe don't do that. Like it's kind of, yeah. so, uh, so, so like she would kind of catch things like that at that stage. And then I would, um, shoot models, uh, shoot photos. you mentioned Pat King being mm -hmm. Wolverine. Um, and there were a number of other people that I was working with on these, uh, bring models into the studio and shoot a bunch and something else, because I knew that I was going to be doing so many of these pieces that helped me be really efficient was if I could get a bunch of the, uh, uh, rough concepts worked out ahead of time. You know, I could bring Pat in and I could shoot like photos for nine different cards uh, all in one session, which mm. ordinarily like the kind of work that I'm doing, I'll bring a model in and we'll shoot for like one thing. You right. know, uh, so it was, it was great. And honestly, like really, uh, I lucked out that I had decided to just close out all of my model shoots before COVID hit. Uh, oh. So at that point, like I already had all the reference I needed to, to carry me through. Wow. Um, but, uh, cause that would have made it a challenge. Um, but yeah. And then at that point, that's when I do the, the little, uh, studies, which is, <sighs> this is what goes then for, for approval so that I can get started in the final. And, um, yeah, Samantha takes this, passes it along to whoever she's talking to at Marvel, which again, it's like anything that is, is not me talking to Samantha is like behind an opaque wall and I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Uh, and then she comes back with whatever notes, if they have any notes for me on those, I think there were only a couple that I had to repaint. Um, most of the time, if there were notes, they were something that was like, this is good to go. Just keep in mind, whatever, you know, like yeah. there's a costume detail here that it looks like might not be quite right or, or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, there were one or two where there was something that they just felt was like tonally not what they wanted to see for that character. And then this is one of the big ones. I don't know. And, and yeah. just the final. Wow. <laughs> Look at that, man. I uh, love seeing the lights on in the building. What a oh, great thanks, thanks. Yeah. And so then this is most of them are not that big. Uh, that was something that I did for characters that were either pieces that I was really excited about or a character that was like a particularly like like Spider-Man or Wolverine or something. Yeah. So this is more you can see. Wow. Like, oh, gotcha. The you know, it's in scale between the two. Wow. But, wow. Uh, it's about half the size. Yeah. The, the, the bulk. That Taskmaster, man, including Vision, Iron Man, and Cap in there, absolutely <laughs> amazing. Thanks. What a great shot. It's just, um, I can't talk, which is not good for a podcast, but so, I'm just slightly yeah. speechless. Also, I'm just taking in that Taskmaster again because obviously we've only seen the um, image of it released as the canvas gallery. And when you look at that, the, 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 the lettering on it actually covers most of that bottom sort yeah. of 20% of the card. So seeing that clean image there, there's a lot Special. of detail that I just missed. 
Yeah, um, I think that I think that I have that one up on my. Do I have that one up here? You, you might do. To be fair, um, I'm just yeah on the shelf. No, yeah. I mean you're Let absolutely me right. I I don't have uh, I don't have the original on hand of this one, but this the Spider-Man through the lens. Um, that's another one where the canvas gallery kind of like I think the the lens effect still comes through very clearly. Absolutely, but, very but clearly. Definitely, yeah. to me, like feels like seeing it with no uh how did i how did i see the thing is this this is what i like about about almost all of the masterpieces works from all the different artists is every time i look at them and some of them i've looked at for for decades you know um this is maybe the third time I've looked at this Taskmaster one, and you're right, I have found the, the painting image that, that was on your, your site now. I don't know why, but I didn't notice who the characters were at the bottom until this very moment, because I, I'm drawn focus to him. I've just been yeah, studying sure. him. And and it's, I, I think I kind of wanted them to be a second read, because it's not a versus card, you know? It's, yeah. it's not Taskmaster versus the Avengers. It was just kind of a supporting detail to to the story but the story is him so yes yes wow and i love the writing you put in the shield too like in the in the in the image on the site you can see it and in the painting you can see it but when you start seeing it in person you can really see the grooves like i feel like they just (laughs) isn't that weird like i feel i know it's just my eye but it just feels like it really has the texture in there really nicely with the lettering Uh, wow yeah absolutely cool it's crazy to see the size difference though um in person Mm -hmm. like the difference between 12 by 16 and 18 by 24 just really really amazing to see that difference yeah and there were certain ones that i like i initially planned which ones were going to be small and which ones are going to be big and then often it would come down to the day that i was going to start painting it and i would just be like this is this doesn't need to be 18 by 24 this is a 12 by 16 (laughs) or the other way around yeah. Somewhere else. Like, I don't think this is, I'm not going to be able to do it the way I want to do it. Small. It needs to be bigger. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple uh, that I haven't shown yet that <laughs> there's, there's one uh, offline. Uh, Norrin and I were talking about characters that are kind of like, I guess you would say, a stringers. And uh, I don't think this is one of the characters that we were talking about, but uh, but there's there's one piece I did that I, I just I'm curious to see what people's reactions are going to be, because it's like the the most grandiose piece I could do of a character that I think like nobody cares about at all, including me. Love it. Like I just Love got it. really carried away. It's a character that I didn't I don't think I've ever even read a comic about or anything, but I was just like for personal reasons, just got like really, really captured with this one. And, and uh, I was like, this one's got to be an 18 by 24. I'm not even going to put it up for sale because because <laughs> no one's going to buy it. This one's just for me. It's, it's <laughs> this just, is a like, keeper. Like I said, you you, you got to you got to keep yourself amused sometimes. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, be surprised like Ian and I have like and our fellow groups in a collector's club and other people in the group have like pick secondary characters that no one cares about because you can yeah. like 
collect collect them. So uh, no it's joke. Good. It's yeah, it's pretty crazy because I think what's really funny, like Ian said earlier, we had do have spent a lot of time with these cards and look at them over and over again. There are some cards that I look at, like the 2099 off brand characters from 93 oh, Marvel Masterpiece, like just random characters that, you know, uh, people have drawn. And I look back and I'm like, you know what? This is a really cool image. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, and it's I mean, I think it is very obviously like hard to disconnect your personal attachment to the character. You know, like we all have our favorites. And yeah. so um you know, obviously that's going to play a big part. And I'm used to that also with the people who collect magic art is that um, the the artist and the painting in some cases come secondary to the nostalgia attached to, oh, this is a card that I, I have had in my deck for 10 years, you know, yeah. or uh, I won a really important game in a tournament with this card. You know, like people have attachments to something that is not aesthetic about it. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's still like the artist is trying to do their best with, with each piece to, to do justice to that character, to make it really cool. And, uh, I also kind of had this feeling like there's, there's a lot of pressure on like the Wolverines and Spider-Mans and stuff, because you know, it's such an important character. Um, but when it comes to the, kind of more peripheral or, or, or more like D-listers, there's this there's this feeling of like, if I hit this one out of the park, this could even be kind of like a defining image of this character, you know? I, I had that with with 2018. Um, it's, it's, it's rather random. I don't know. I know, I know why I went after it because I got the, the one of one red spectrum. But then um, it was, and well, then I kind of built from there. Yeah, so. I mean, if you've already got that, so. yeah, yeah, it's kind no of a no-brainer. There. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's Wonder Man, and it's it's one of Simone's brightest pieces. I think it's uh-huh. one of the only ones with the with a white background. With a white much. background, yeah. I think um, so. But just having now that caught my interest and then I went back and I read some of the character because I wasn't really familiar with it and I did some Avengers and and then I looked at how he's been portrayed in other cards throughout the years um, and and S- Simone just clearly had fun with that character you can tell that he had fun he almost kind of reinvented it in a, in a way in the way that yeah, he represented yeah. it um, and you know, we've spoken at length about this so I, I won't go into it too much here but, but an example would be uh, Morbius um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, where he 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 had Morbius was on some sort of weird floating rock thing, uh, where he kind of did this otherworldly thing, and you can tell that he just had fun with it. Um, and and that character obviously is is much more into the forefront now because of the movie stuff. But um, yeah. but yeah, he, he, some of those characters you look at and you think I actually genuinely don't know who that character is, and I've never read them. I know them because I've seen them in other card sets. But, you know, I feel like I'm seeing a new version of that character. There were a few. uh, So, like, I got to ask for whatever characters I wanted to do. And I didn't get all of them. As as you guys are familiar with, there are certain reasons that some of them uh, just aren't on the table. Mm. But um, but then they also filled out the list from there. And because there was still plenty of slots to get filled up and uh so there were there were characters that i had no like awareness of at all and and had to kind of like go do my homework and and learn about them but 
yeah, I, I do like, I agree. Uh, I remember looking at his, uh, I think it was Absorbing Man. Yes. His, his, oh, his yeah. Second. Yeah. And I remember Absorbing Man because I used to be a fan of Secret Wars. And uh, uh-huh. so so it's like, you know, you have that, like, I remember I read Secret Wars like five times. Like, I know who Absorbing Man is. Like, maybe <laughs> he never showed up in many other comics, you know, after the 70s or whatever. But uh, or early 80s, I guess, is when Secret Wars came out. Mm-hmm. But uh but yeah, it's it's like I, I remember like that's a really cool absorbing man and Yeah. You know, he's actually like, yeah, he's a pretty fun character, like not one that you see very often. And it's it's cool to see like somebody I mean, really like go go all in with that. Deep cuts. Yeah. Deep cuts. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I mean, from a lot of our experiences with other collectors we've had on the show, and I'm sure yours too, Dave, when you're a kid and you're looking at these trading cards, that kind of what happens, right? You see mm-hmm. a character you don't know, and then you look at the power meter or you look about the <laughs> about me, right? Or you look at the note, like the fun fact, and you kind of fall in love with different characters from different comics because no one can read everything, right? Sure. But in a way... The trading cards kind of give you a sneak peek at everybody. I which yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's one of my big, that's one of the things I loved from being when I was a kid and getting to look at Marvel trading cards was like seeing all these cool different iterations of characters. My, I, I think my favorite power meter was the Jim Lee X-Men cards. That yes. had, uh, the, the, like the, the graph. Yes. The little, the, it looked like the cerebro gla- graph, yeah, right? Yeah, like the yeah. green, red predator yeah. type of thing. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I definitely good one. remember looking at those power meters and comparing with friends to see yes. like, which character was, was, you know, better. <laughs> Cause of course it's all about their costume design and their, and their power graph. Right. That's all that matters. Can I ask a really meta question? And I apologize oh. for this in advance. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did your mum ever take you to the store to buy trading cards? Oh, yeah. I mean, we would go. Yeah, there was uh, there were a couple of comic shops in the town that I grew up in. Uh, and there was one in particular that I feel like we went to most often. Um and uh, yeah, I, so mostly I remember getting trading cards more at conventions. And I think that probably uh, like I know for sure when they were doing stuff for not the 96 cards, but prior to that, like um, I think my mom did some of the 93. Is that right? Yeah, yeah she did. Yeah. Uh, and so hanging out at the Skybox booth and there was this one guy who um, I, I want to say Mike White. Maybe I it, I was so young at the time, but I remember he was very nice and he would always give us like boxes of product, which as a, as a kid at that age, Whoa, I, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I still have all my Skybox Pogs, you know, <laughs> from Pogs. Uh, yes. And, uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, it was like super fun. And then um a little like a couple years after that I remember going to the store and that was when I was starting to get more into uh the 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 game cards like um yeah. I was into magic a little bit but it always felt like everybody else the game had only been around for like 3 years but it felt like everybody else had much better cards and was more invested in it and so I would play like weird other card games like the Star Wars the original Star Wars card game and stuff like that mm. Uh, the, you know, those, I, I remember definitely like getting 
just to go to the comic store and be like, okay, I'm going to buy a pack of Star Wars cards. Uh, yeah. Very clearly. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. I know, it's, I know it's a random question. I just, in my head, it's a bit back to the future. But, <laughs> but, that well, you, you, you've now made a big trading card set, you know, one of the premier brands that obviously your, 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 your uh, mother and, and Boris worked on back in the day. I, and yeah. yeah. I actually had forgotten about this until like two days ago. Um, but I was on one of their cards also that uh, Boris used a photo of me for Sylord, I think, the Franklin Richards character. And oh, he, wow. he, wow. did his, he did his Boris thing with me. Like he yeah. made me look like <laughs> the the Hollywood you know, square jawed version of me. You were chiseled. Not, not at all what I looked like. And I think he probably put a year or two on, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, forgot about that. That's I'm gonna, crazy. I'm just going to look that card up because I do have it. That's I hilarious. That's, that's you know? like absolutely not my chin. But uh, <laughs> this, this beard is, is, uh, is necessary to kind of like make the shape the way that it should be. But, uh, Dave, Dave there's, there's, the, there's the Dorian Gray painting that you wanted yeah. in the, in the, uh, if, if, <laughs> if, if I had a chin like that, I probably wouldn't need it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I, yeah, that that's that's the kind of nugget of information we sometimes I get. Love it. I just so absolutely much. love it because um, you would have heard we had um, uh, Ken uh, Barrow from Skybox on. Uh, oh, yeah. uh-huh. heard that, yeah. and um, so <laughs> he may well have been around at one of those cons as well. You never know because um, he certainly did the the two with uh, Joe Jusco for ninety two. Um, was Joe's minder for a lot of that. Um, one thing I, I thought was really um, lovely and touching, and I, I, I'm sure you, you've seen them as well, is both um, Joe and Simone posting of kind course. of lovely, yeah. lovely. I mean, I'm reading Simone's now. I'm welling up looking at it, partly because I'm a softie, but it's, partly because no, it's, it's so emotional and from the heart. Yeah, I, I, I really, I mean... Uh, yeah, for one thing, like such big shoes to fill uh, coming in and then to be like so warmly welcomed as that. And and yeah, Joe has actually he's commented on a couple of the pieces that I've posted or at least on one of the pieces that I posted on Instagram also. And yeah, it's really uh, yeah, it's like I don't I don't know how to respond to this. It's like I don't know what to say. Uh, it's. And, and I remember meeting him uh, back in the 90s at uh, at least one convention I remember meeting him at. And um, so, yeah, it's it's all very surreal. It's a very kind of like uh, didn't didn't expect to find myself here. Kind of <laughs> as, if, as if 2020 couldn't get any weirder. um did you so you you must have been you must have gone to an awful lot of cons when you were when you were small in the 90s Uh, i know you you mentioned it on your post when you were yeah more more than most kids my age would have gotten to go to um not like a ton because my folks didn't really ever do a ton of shows they would do them fairly selectively um but it was like whenever I got to go, it was it always felt to me like getting to go in the best kind of way, because, you know, you get like like I was saying, you get to 
get like lots of free stuff from the <laughs> I just I remember there were like some shows there was always like uh, some kind of some kind of access or, or special thing and it's the kind of stuff that I think back on it now and it's like kind of dumb but at the time it really meant like the world and I remember there was this one convention we went to that uh, I think it was one of these ones where it was like somebody put on a show who had never done one before and they were like this is going to be the best show ever and it was amazing and apparently they just like lost their shirt doing it and never yeah. did it um, but I remember going to this one in Charlotte in the early 90s that um was was uh, one of the things that they had there was a, a big room full of computers where people were all playing like Duke Nukem on a LAN. Oh, wow. and this was like at a yes. time when that was super novel. Like, yeah, you know, and and so I just remember like spending like half the convention in a dark room playing Duke Nukem with strangers and it just being like the best thing that I was like, this is amazing. I don't want to leave. <laughs> and, like I think back now, it's like, all the other cool stuff that I'm sure was going on that I was missing. But, but like, as like an 11 year old, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want lunch. Come back for me later. I'm just going <laughs> to be like here. Mahala, you know? man. Like you can't get no better, especially oh, yeah. at that point, man. I can only yeah. imagine. Wow. How insane. There was, I, I think it was a, a diamond retailers show that I got to go to where somebody had a VR set up for uh, do you remember, or have you ever heard of Deckville nightmare? It was like a really early virtual reality game that I don't think it was much of a game. Like, I don't think you really did anything except stand there and pterodactyls are flying around. Yeah. And maybe you had a pistol that you could shoot at them with or something, but it was like getting to getting to play virtual reality in the nineties wow. as did is like, I'm in the future. We're all going to be doing this in 10 years, you know? <laughs> and then 20 years time, Pokemon Go comes around. So, you know, yeah. living the Which, best, man. I mean, yeah. Uh, my interest in video games kind of left me at some point over the years, but at, at that time I was just kind of like, this well, is VR at that it. time though, man, that was like, I remember the Nintendo glove mm. and the headset like, I remember the scene, that stuff, and I was like, this is the future. We're here, you know, yeah. or like watching Johnny Mnemonic or something, yeah. you know, like yeah. all those crazy visors, Judge Dredd, yeah, all that kind of fun. The, some of those movies have not aged well, and you can see, like, all. they're so impressed <laughs> with themselves. Like, Lawmower Man. Lawmower uh, yeah. Man. Pierce Brosnan. What um, is the, there's the, the Michael Douglas movie that like virtual reality it's it's the one where it's like he's being sexually harassed by his female boss and i can't remember what it's called it's a terrible movie disclosure yeah yeah um Demi Moore. i don't recommend it, it it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> i don't know if it was good when it came out it's really not aged well but oh. I remember that there is a like plot point that is very important about having to get into the virtual reality like file storage system. And it's that kind of thing where it's like, yes, this is definitely how it's going to work in the future is there's like a 3D room of like <laughs> you looking yeah, through like, files. file cabinets <laughs> yeah. and that's how we store our information. Yeah, that was everywhere. Well, remember, uh, Hackers was the same way. Too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hackers is yeah. still a lot of fun, though. Hackers is great, though. I mean, no, no, not not knocking hackers. But yeah, same thing where you're like in a room and you're looking through files. Like, how do you make looking through files cool in a cyber world? Yeah, put a file room inside the cyber computer. And yes. there you go. 
Yeah. <laughs> of course Pat you do. Of, of course, course you do. Logical. That was a, that was a mad <laughs> tangent. I love these tangents we go off on. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't apologize. This is what we do. Um, my my first um, ever internet experience was Duke Nukem at okay. the at oh. the um, uh, in Hounslow <laughs> in West London and there was a library there and the big thing about the library is they got two of these monitors and you could go on there and use them but they hadn't yet opened it up to the public because they were still just testing the connection and the guy said the guy said to me the guy said to me hey, sit down there he logged me straight onto Duke Nukem and I'm the same as you I was like my lunch break was just like gone and I hadn't got any food or anything like that it was like and half of that that time was spent dialing up after the connection dropped so oh yeah we when i was uh, uh in high school in my first couple of years of college uh i was also working at a comic store which they decided to set up i think it was only like four computers set up a land in the back which i'm pretty sure was a poor business decision i don't think they possibly could have recouped the expenses of doing it but it it was like uh many nights after locking up the store, like hanging out in the back with with a couple of friends and, you know, playing whatever. Uh, 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 what's the one? Diablo. Oh, um, Diablo. Yeah. Yeah. With there was some World War Two first person shooter that we would play a lot. But yeah, it's there's something about and I don't really enjoy playing those online so much, but something about like sitting in a room with your friends and everybody's like actually talking to each other. It was similar to like playing Goldeneye, you know. Yeah. Which yeah. I really tried to play Goldeneye again recently. That game is like it's it's like impossible. Everybody's crowded on the same screen. It's a total mess. But yeah, it's like the social experience of actually physically being playing in a room together. Yes. Yeah. Super fun. Well, it's Super like, you fun. know, they all had, I mean, when I was, because um, I've got a good 10 years on both of you, so I go back slightly earlier, and you've got the Sega, where you had the uh, the multi-tap, because it only had two plug sockets, so you bought oh, yeah. multi-tap, uh-huh. which would enable you to put four controllers into it. Uh-huh. And then yeah, you could play things the- like Gauntlet. Yes, and the NES yes. also had the, I think it was called the Satellite. Yes, and, uh, that's yeah, right. Play, play Gauntlet on NES also, yeah. So, oh, man. And yeah. Then, yeah, and then and then it all went online. I just I can't I can't do any any of that malarkey. <laughs> I just don't. I always whenever I tried online stuff, some someone who was in Singapore just came on and kills me within five seconds. There's just no point. It's a fourteen year old. Yeah, even with my group of friends, I remember Goldeneye. One of us was just way better than it was not me. Uh, there was one of our friends who was just like. You know, you'd have like 60 kills and everyone else has like two. It's like, it's still kind of fun. <laughs> so um, uh, I guess we better pull it back slightly to Marvel Masterpieces because I, because well, I guess my first question is obviously, um, and I think you may have mentioned this when someone asked you in a comment. Um, obviously, you can't display the pieces because of everything going on and, and you have started to, to, to part with some of them. But it, it, is there any plans afoot for a book to come out of all the pieces or would you like there to be? I would very much like for there to be. Um, I don't think there's much more that I can say about it. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I Actually, so I had been out of uh, collecting cards since, you know, those sets from the 90s. And I did not know when I 
was brought back in on this, um, what an investment it is to get into it. And so there's all kinds of reasons that I want a book to be out there. I'd like for people to see the art larger. It's nice to have it all collected in one volume. I'm really proud of it as a, as a body of work. But also just there's a lot of people I know who are not necessarily card collectors who are interested. And I know the price point is going to put people off uh, if, if they're not already invested in the hobby. Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that uh, I think that having a book would be a really uh, cool thing because it would be something that would also make it much more accessible to a, to a much broader audience. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's definitely something that, that I would like to see happen. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Take my money now on that one. uh, If and when it it happens, um, I, what else was I going to ask? I was going to ask something else. Um, you know what? It's gone. It's gone because I think I've asked I've, I've asked most of the questions that I had here, and we've talked about all sorts of stuff. So I'm going to talk about Black Cat. Okay. Let's let's have a look at Black Cat because I, I I really you, admire your restraint. You were amazed. You I've made well, it this yeah. far. I'm I've made really it this impressed. far. I've made it this far. Listen, I'm I'm just chuffed to bits that it was one of the pieces that was allowed out this early on, um, and she you know she was allowed to come out and play. Um, one of the first things I did was turn it upside down. <laughs> I won't lie to you. I locked my phone and turned it upside down. Then I got it on my laptop and turned that upside down. Um, loads of dust fell out the keyboard. Um, it's 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 a stunning piece. And I, t- I tell you what I love about it, especially so on the scan of the original painting that you've put up, is how how the red cuts through um, on it and and really kind of brings it to life but gives it so much depth as well because of the way that beams are in front and behind and you know that that kind of perception uh, thing going on um was was uh yeah just tell us about the the, the idea and the concept and so i i want to say at the outset that when i first became aware of your podcast and I became aware of your uh, connection with Black Cat, I had already painted this piece. Like this one was very much already in the in the done folder. Wow. And so I was I was just whenever the subject of Black Cat would come up and you would talk about what you like to see in a black cat and everything, I would just be kind of like thinking like I hope I hope that mine like doesn't miss the mark. But it wasn't like it could influence what I was doing because it was already finished, you know. Exactly so, right. Uh, but um, yeah, I wanted to have her like with with a lot of the characters. I really tried to um, make sure that I didn't lean too much on just like heroic portraits. Yeah, which are really fun to do. Uh, but I feel like if the whole set is is just a bunch of people standing there looking impressive but not actually doing anything, that that gets a little bit uh, a little bit boring. Like I wanted yeah. to have some pieces more kind of like portraitish and some pieces more active. And so yeah, it, it seemed to me like uh, having her in the middle of a heist, uh, pulling off some kind of heist, mm-hmm. was was. Uh, would be a fun thing to do because honestly don't think that i've seen that many 
images along those lines, which oftentimes if I was like debating different ways to approach a character, if I had a, a mental image of something and it felt like it was not typically the approach that other artists have taken, that it felt like that was that was a worthwhile thing to do. The road less traveled. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I'm a, I really believe that uh, if you can do something unexpected, uh, it gives you opportunity to um, to make a piece that's really memorable. You yeah. know, and yeah. uh, but at the same time, yeah, obviously, like this ridiculous laser grid is a, a total like homage to the nineties in and of itself, <laughs> you know, it just mission impossible. Mission impossible. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I, and mission impossible is the one everyone thinks of. Uh, and, and oh, are you going to say Catherine Zeta zones in, um, I'm, I'm going to go back further. There was a movie called the real McCoy. Now I think the lasers were green and not red in that one. I have not seen this movie since whenever it came out, which was probably like 1993 or something. Yeah. But I remember, it was a, a movie about I'm going to I'm going to wing this. I'm probably going to get it wrong. But I think it was a woman who's like needs to rob a bank in order to maintain custody of her child or something. Of course. I don't really remember. Yeah, it's, you know, a standard. Plot. Yes, very <laughs> relatable. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was there was definitely that like need to bypass the laser grid kind of thing in it. And um yeah, it's just whenever I think of like that that kind of like breaking oh, in. Oh, it was Kim Kim Bassinger. Yes, yes. That's right. And yes, and, and Val Kilmer, ninety three. Okay, yeah. And wow. uh yeah, and, and so that's what I just think of that as being like the most showy way that a person can do a burglary. <laughs> like when it comes to my actual favorite movies of something like that, I like ones that take a more realistic approach. But yes. if you're gonna do it in a painting it's got to be a little more visual. So, yeah. Well, I, I love what you do with the, the lasers. I love the ones that are either not initiated or we're looking at them from an odd angle on the, on the windowsill that are kind of just the red dot, which I would think yeah. really adds to that. I, I love that. I was thinking of that as like, cause sometimes yeah, in they, those movies, there's like a pattern and they like yes. study the pattern. I know the timing of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love that. That's what I thought too. That comes off really clear. And I love, I mean, obviously I, I, I don't know specifically, you know, the, 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 the shapes that it creates and how well it does to help the image feel three dimensional, but having the lasers in that particular pattern and getting that angle from the, from the yeah. bottom floor, uh, you did a yeah. similar thing in moon Knight, where you have that great, like where he has his hand on the bad guy and uh, he's flying yeah. through the air, right? Yeah. Like you do. And this repeats a little bit of a pattern. The pieces we've seen so far is that the angles you're taking for this composition to have these characters kind of on the, on the canvas, on the page really helps to give it space. I really love that decision. That Thank was you. really, really fun. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I'm, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about photography in my camera collection and I, I really do, um, think photographically in composing and yeah. that's something that I think is just the, like shooting photography as a, as its own art form has taught me a lot about just the way that we understand images. And I think that it's it's different now than it would have been, you know, 50 years ago 
which that was different than it would have been 50 years prior to that. You know, it's at this point, we're so keyed to understand photographic uh, imagery that you can play with like the the perspective and and the the angle of this piece all makes sense through a camera lens you know it's it's a very kind of particular way of uh um, very cinematic like it's yeah. very very cinematic like if you look at the hella or even the taskmaster as we've looked at him right mm-hmm. i would say that a lot of your compositions are extremely cinematic and have that kind of sphere kind of perspective um type of look to them like for instance i really love what you did with the um with the iron man quite oh, a bit thank you. yeah i think yeah. i think my my favorite part about that Iron Man is that you get to see the stratosphere and you have this really good, like, you know what I mean? Like you get to see like your eye drifts very well there. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's really interesting how that, how that pans out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, definitely like, um, I'm a big, obviously we've been talking about movies, big movie fan. And so that's, a big part of my visual vocabulary and uh mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of kind of like when i'm doing those those pencils that i was showing earlier um that's kind of like nailing down the concept and the idea and then it's about like figuring out where is my camera in relation to the scene and what kind of a lens do i want to put on my camera and that dictates then like what how it's all going to work and what the relationship of the character and the environment is going to be and that kind of thing Hmm. I love these. I'm just, I'm just uh, uh, they're the wonderful. Ones, the ones I'm I'm looking at here, uh, uh, so many of them, and I don't think I I got this with the with the earlier uh, set. So many of them could be instantly a co- a, a cover on a comic. The Black Panther yes. screams at me that it could quite happily be a first issue or, you know, or an yes. annual or something uh, like that. Um, the Moon Knight definitely does. The Black Cat definitely does. Um, the Cable is one of those. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I just, obviously that's that's one of the more kind of, sort of heroic posing. Mm-hmm. But then you look at him and you realise actually he's a bit ticked off. He's about to do something a bit. He's about to do something a bit naughty. I'm not sure what. Um, and he reminds me of Brad Pitt a little bit. It's funny that uh, multiple people have asked me if that's Boris's face, and it is not. Uh, uh-huh. And I just think it, I, I can see where they're seeing that. But mm. uh, yeah, it's it's I can see some Brad Pitt in there too. It's funny I, I, uh, I have a little Brad Pitt head here that was not used for the cable, but I, I have these oh. little <laughs> these little one sixth scale heads that sometimes are helpful for kind of like, you know, just having a, a quick reference on hand. That's and, hilarious. Uh, I love it. I love how everyone's I, got their little I think thing. Brad Pitt's head there might show up a little bit, maybe on a sketch card or something. Oh, okay. Ah, interestingly. So, um, so um, obviously you'll, you'll, You'll probably have people, if you haven't already, asking you about uh, sketch cards because they're they're a, they're a rapid bunch. The sketch card collectors. Um, do you have you worked in that in that size format before? No, I mean, else? aside from doing the uh, well, doing my my prelims, which are I guess about twice as big as the sketch card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what is it? A sketch card is two and a half by three and a half. Is that That's right? right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, if I'm usually working at four by six, uh, it's still in the realm of small, but not quite that small. Uh, but no, that was quite a different experience. And to see some of the work, um, Noren had been kind of introducing me to the, uh, just the, the range of, of yeah. work that's out there. And it, it is pretty unbelievable. The, it's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. When Dave and I were talking, he was asking about that and we just happened to be talking about it. And I showed him like NAR or Basso or like, mm -hmm. um, you know, Tony Perna. Tony Perna, you know, with that mm -hmm. detail, you know what I mean? And yeah, they're all beautiful pieces, but it definitely is kind of having like a different skill set. You know what I mean? Um, almost. You kind of have to like retrain yourself in a way to start working on the, um, sketch cards and stuff like that you know i mean it and there's a range there you don't have to do all that detail people do uh portraits mm -hmm. that are really clean and really beautiful like um bianchi does beautiful portraits like Ju jusco does mm -hmm. portraits and torsos yeah. And like yeah yeah so there's a huge range for sketch cards yeah i think that it, like as i was doing the ones that i did i definitely so you you probably saw that i was doing some paintings on the back of magic cards on the on the proof beautiful Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Which a big part of doing those was I don't have a lot of room to screw up on the <laughs> Marvel sketch cards. Like, I think I only got like three extras, which need to be returned with the rest of them anyway. You know, so it's like uh, I really don't want to jump in on these and not know if it's going to work or not. So yeah. that was why I was actually doing those um artist proofs painted on on backs of uh the magic cards was i i felt like i needed to get a few hours in of of just kind of like experimenting and seeing what works and and uh mm. i definitely agree that you know the 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 more like head and shoulders uh approach makes a um it, it, it's it's uh a much easier um thing to achieve than going for like a full body uh and it's frustrating because sometimes like there's the idea that it's like but i really want to do a full body you know <laughs> and then you're halfway through and you're like i flew too close to the sun so uh, yeah and and also like same as when i was saying like not wanting the whole set to all just be the same um, kind of yeah. energy you want to have a sure. variety so with the yeah. sketch cards I didn't want it to just be a bunch of uh, portraits but uh, but yeah uh, I, I did realize that the, the closer to a just a face you're getting on there the, the more you can work with so crazy respect to the people who are doing those like insanely detailed like half and, and three quarter figure sketch cards multiple oh, characters crazy yeah. stuff yeah i know i would i would love to see some of those in person because it's just like i i feel like i don't understand how uh, you, you will you will now sir you're with us don't yeah, you you'll see some we'll, we'll get um, some over to you the um what one one 
artist in particular that springs to mind. Um, there are some artists who, who, who know, we know is, have done trading card work and a lot of other incredible portrait work for Marvel and other publishers. And one of them is Ray Lago, who I know does yes. magic cards as well. And when I was looking at his Instagram feed um, last year, he went on a, on a burst of posting some marvelous pieces where he would literally sketch on coasters from bars. Mm, he yeah. would do pencil or pen sketches and they're the yeah, most wonderfully right. and they're really small format and I've got a lot of, I mean I've got a lot of respect for all of you artists guys because I can't draw you know I can barely draw a stick person um, but um, it's, it's just not, not in my skill set so whenever I see someone who can so effortlessly move between the size of pieces that he must be doing which must be pretty similar to the size that you mm. you worked in um to then being able to scale down and still have that that detail and you know some people just make it look absolutely effortless and you you know they must have trained and worked and grafted mm. at it for years I'm not uh, I don't, you know I, I know I know Ray's uh, older old, older than us because he's worked on pieces from from the 90s but um, um, but he, you know that's that's, right, that's yeah. something you must have really kind of grown yeah, more think, easy with over yeah. the years I think that the um it's it's always impressive to see who can really do this meticulous render, you know. And some of the artists that that Noren mentioned, talking about uh, sketch cards, really, it's 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 mind-boggling, uh, yeah. and it's really strong work. In addition to being really meticulously crafted work, um, yeah. uh, but but for me, it's the the strong work is the important part, and whether that is a piece that's you know, extremely fine detailed or whether it's a piece that's mm. very simplistic. I yeah. mean, just going back to the, the daredevil we were talking about, it's not a detailed piece, but, um, you know, I think that they, they don't all have to be necessarily, uh, and, and in some cases, you know, the, the most effective solution might be something that's a little bit more simple. And, yeah. um, so yeah, I, I think, that's that's something else that I find really impressive is uh, just seeing how some artists are able to really boil things down. Some of yeah. uh, some of the artists that I follow and and whose work I'm really inspired by, it's really about what they're not saying. You know, yes. getting getting it across with saying just as much as is necessary. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way too because I think a lot of times. Yeah, and I agree 100%. I, for me, especially the pieces that I showed you and the, the pieces that Ian and I get into, if an artist captures that character or captures that moment or that story, it doesn't have to be, it could be just black lines on white. Because I've yeah. seen some pieces, like David Mack, who does sketch cards, mm -hmm. right? Oh. And, you know, David Mack is, you know, amazing. Sketch cards, he does black line, white, and they're just you know it right you feel you get the energy you get the emotion and the story's yeah, all there yeah it's just it's it definitely is absolutely it's not so much about the detail or anything like that it's about what the artist is actually putting into the piece the decisions yeah. they're making exactly yeah. like you're saying and yeah. i mean and which is also not to discount the impact that the detail has it's just there's absolutely different things different artists are going for yeah. and yeah. uh yeah so I, I i appreciate both and i started when i uh just was learning how to paint starting my career i was very much a detail focused artist and my personal aesthetic has shifted over time and wow. uh 
So, yeah, at this point, I feel like I can kind of appreciate a lot. The, the, the stuff that I find interesting is much broader than it was when I started out. Yeah, that's interesting. Just just because you touched on it, um, who who are the the artists that you're looking at now? Who are, who you you're admiring or who've inspired you as you progressed? I think uh, some of the, so Sam Weber and uh, Jeremy Giddies are two artists who uh, I think in in general uh, their work and their work going back for some years um, have been really influential to me and they both have I think a very minimalist and clean approach now Jeremy Giddies is. I, I think exclusively fine art these days. Um, and Sam is still doing a lot of cover illustration. I, uh, and I know he does a lot of like personal experimental work, which is cool to see. Look up his Dune paintings. Uh, Sam Weber. That's it. A, I was like, I I'm pretty sure I knew it. it. Yeah, me too. I was like, that sounded so familiar. And I was yeah. trying to picture it. Okay. Yeah. That's um, crazy. And he's, he's also just a really, I've uh, gotten to hang out with him several times and he's one of those artists that is also just extremely thoughtful. You can have mm -hmm. conversations that are like, you know, really like gonna inform <laughs> my own perspective on my wow. own work going forward. Uh, um, and some others, uh, Rob Ray, who I think is doing magic now. Uh, I love how Rob handles his paint. Um, uh, Bud Cook and Jeremy Wilson are both doing some really cool kind of like interesting abstraction with their mark making and, and really interesting color choices. Um, these, are, these are some off the top of my head. There's a lot of folks. Uh, and I always I, I get nervous when I start like no that's fine like this. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm also trying to keep it to like people who are working right now because of course yeah. like I've got my you know my my uh the, the old classics that I go back to again and again. Yeah, uh, the, the list can um, go on forever. Yeah, can go on forever. I'm just looking at Sam Sam's Dune work here, and it's astonishing. It's, uh, yeah. This is what I like. This is why I like asking that question when we get to ask it, because I always discover new people. Like Same. when we when we um, interviewed Eric uh, Gist. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, which um, and I love I think, what Eric does too. And yeah, he's yeah. yeah. And yeah, that, that moon night. I was just like, damn it, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, stuff. honestly, I, I I look at I look at some of the stuff he's done. I look at some of the pieces I've seen of yours from masterpieces, and there's there's there, uh, the, the, yeah, there are obviously differences in in the style and the, and the way that, that they're done, but they almost look like they could be that character in the next scene in mm. some ways. There's that complementary kind of uh, way that that you've captured some of the characters that you, that you both did. Cause obviously flair, as, as Eric said, he got to choose a lot of the characters and he got a lot yeah. of the big plum ones. But the beautiful thing about flair is that even more so than the masterpieces, as we talked about, flair has some really obscure characters in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it really how many, how many pieces are in that? Um, the base is 90 and then there are six tiers of 10, um, going oh, up to one fifty. So, so okay. yeah, it's, it's pretty big. But it's, yeah, it's um, in the, when you add in the achievements. So in terms of original art, there's 155 originals um, okay. in in, in the set. Of course, how many artists? artists? 
<laughs> is it like six or seven artists? No, there's more. There's probably about, no, I want to say 15. It might, wow. might be more. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a are there, number. Are there and character that's... duplicates in that one? No. Okay. Not really. No. So that's uh, what I feel like once you run through, like, there's probably about like 40 or 50 characters that feel like the the usual suspects sure and then you start getting into yeah some kind of like lesser traveled territory yeah and coming cool. up with some some names that you might need to refresh your memory a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. uh noren talked about collecting spot I was like, I don't yeah. think I know who that is. I gotta go look this up. Such a fun <laughs> character. Such a fun, weird character. Yeah, it's actually funny. One of my good friends collects him too, and it's just it, it's just the weirdest because I don't think any two people have ever like collected Spot. So we're laughing because we're like, oh man, I do it too, and I like saw his collection. But I don't know. There's something. It's really weird. But again, like trading cards have that power to them. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it really is like getting. Well, you know, the cool thing about Masterpieces, too, is that it's also like an artist spotlight, right? Which is the thing I've always loved about that set. Mm. You know, not only do you have multiple characters, but then you can see what an artist has done for for each of that character. It's just really cool. Something about the the art that's made for a card. I know that there are some card sets that have repurposed art, um, but but the art that's made specifically for a card as its end uh, intention is allowed to kind of do things you might not be able to do in other ways, you know. And yeah. so, um, even making a piece for a cover, there are considerations with. Uh, the whatever kind of like logo needs to be made room for, you know, I think there was like a little bit of consideration of that with these because of the what ifs, but it wasn't the mm-hmm. same. And and also there is that fight for being the piece that's going to stand out against all the other pieces when it's on the shelf, which means that you sometimes don't get to do a little bit more of like a quiet moment or a little bit more. Yeah. Of a, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like you mentioned that a lot of these look like they could be covers, which probably a lot of that just comes from. I have that as a big part of my my background of, of yeah. a lot of the work that I do. Um, but some of them, I feel, were, were things that just wouldn't have necessarily been appropriate to use in that way but would still make for a really cool just standalone image and Mm, there was something about like that piece of the story that was like you know just as a pinup basically yeah yeah Yeah. and i don't often get to do something where it's like this is it it's just this it's not trying to like you know sell a book or something that's just just yeah Yeah. really cool picture of this character i like i like the way you yeah it looks like you had the most incredible fun doing it. It really does. I mean, it's, you know. it's, it was a blast. Yeah, I was. I gotta say, I never worked with Upper Deck. Well, no, it's not true. I worked with Upper Deck many years ago, uh, but not with any of the people that I worked with on the set and not on yeah. this property. Uh, same. I did like two pieces for Marvel like ten years ago, but oh wow, uh, this was a completely different thing. And so I was like super excited to get started on it. And I also had this like kind of dread that I was like, if I'm a year into this and it sucks, it's going to be like really terrible. 
because <laughs> I there's no escape. The only way out is to just see it through, you know. And so I also just felt like so relieved when when I started doing them that that was not the mm. case. That it was, mm-hmm. yeah, you never know. Like there there have been times where I had wanted to work for a client uh, for years and years, and I finally got the opportunity, and then it was just like. A, a personality clash like I hate this person or um, <laughs> they're they're like really nitpicky about details that mm-hmm. I think are not important and so it's really hard to you know it when yeah when we started I started sending pieces in and getting feedback and everything was just flowing really smoothly it was just like a huge relief that was like okay I think this is this is going to be all right like this is wow. going to <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone's well, so excited because we, yeah, uh, people would have heard the Jennifer Wu interview by now. Um, and she was just over the moon and so, such a sweet person and talking about the different artists and talking about how much she had fun with you and working on your pieces. We didn't, we didn't pressure her too much because <laughs> we know we can't say anything right now. So we were, we tried she to stay very off good. Topic. She was very good. She was we, very good. We, oh, we class I, we yeah. tried a few sneaky moves on her and she just yeah, rushed us off. She's an expert. She's yeah, an expert. No, she, but she like, is, actually, yeah. It does sound like everyone at Upper Deck and, you know, obviously the work, you can just see, like Ian said, it just, it looked like it was an absolute blast. And, you know, you, I, I, you know, honestly, we just have so much appreciation for you being a fan, taking the time. You know, really giving these cards the longevity that we can already see they have. And we've only seen 10, 12 percent of the final product. Yeah, I yeah, I there are some that I'm really excited for people to see. Um, There are a couple that I intend to keep because I just don't want to. How dare you go? And uh, (laughs) and those tend to also be the ones that I'm like, um, really interested to see what people's reactions are there's a couple that i'm like i'm curious to see like what what the response is but uh but yeah it was, it was so much fun and yeah i don't know like exactly how things went that i was the person that they came to for this but i'm so glad that, that it did come together that way and yes uh sam padilla who was the art director is just like yeah i couldn't have asked for a better person to work with um really like from start to finish and even now like there's still a couple loose ends we're tying up and um and it's it's just like it's i what what again could have been uh a good situation turned bad with the, the wrong people. people. It was yeah. just it was it was just like a best case scenario all the way through. So wow. Good. Well listen where thank you for doing it. You know I'm I'm I think I I speak for every single bit of feedback I've, I've seen on it yeah. and you, you know I mean some people choose not to read the comments and you know, especially you know actors if you're if you if you've been in a film you know one thing you don't do is go and read the comments um, and you may well stay clear of that um, which you know, is but uh, I, can, I can assure you that the feedback I've, everyone is really really excited I, you know I, I've seen I, I've seen mostly very enthusiastic feedback which is great I've seen some people that it's not their taste and that's great too like we've dealt I've, with I've, them 
Yeah, I mean, no, I I think that there's, a, there's a difference between having an opinion and being an asshole. And, you know, I have one anybody. of those as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't seen that then. But, um, no. you know, I I know also that like I actually have written articles. I write sometimes for a blog called Muddy Colors. That's like a mm. uh, educational yes. uh uh, blog for for illustration and i've written articles about just the whole like you know there is no no artist for everyone you know there's different audiences i i recognize there are things that i like and that doesn't make it better than another thing that somebody else likes that i don't care for you know and so uh you know so that's all well and good but that said i'm having a weird issue with facebook where it'll only show me the top like three posts in in groups right now so it's almost kind of like facebook is preventing me (laughs) from reading the comments it's like okay no 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 you're in a timeout right now just uh that is weird that is weird your mind on your business and yeah focus on focus on your artwork dave don't be going on yeah i'm not worrying too much about it because i also think the less time i spend on there probably the the better so uh i I think that's generally a healthy thing it's it's easier said than done when you run you run when you run not one but two groups but uh but uh but that's that's what i that's what i signed up for and I'm, i'm i love it um Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate you taking the time to Absolutely. talk to us. This and, yeah, if uh, if you want to do this again when you've seen the rest of them, oh yes, uh, hit me up. Oh yes, oh, we will definitely happen. We'll do. And, so and, excited! And and just as a last request, people have heard me. And in fact, there's two more things I want to say. People have heard me mention this, and they're probably sick of it by now. Even though some of the episodes that we've mentioned it on haven't come out yet, but I am determined to do um, a little content series on Instagram and or Facebook called Marvel Meowster Pieces, which features cats of artists. And I know that you've already put forward uh, your fine furry friend. Um, <laughs> for this uh mike munshaw one of the artists that we um um, uh, that we know has actually started a, an Instagram feed for his cat um, called Olive uh, Olive Jane the cat artist I believe so um, so I do believe there's a future in this and I'm going to have a chat with Upper Deck and see if they can release <laughs> I do it believe series. there is a future for this I love but, it but you know if, if listen I can't get an entire black cat series out so I'm going to focus just on cats in general so I think it's a good compromise man yeah I yeah I mean I'm I'm a hundred percent serious that there is definitely an audience. So yeah. thank you, thank you, Dave. Thank you. The checks in the post. Perfect. Um, and and the last thing, just because because it occurred to me when we were talking about your cameras, um, it reminds me very much about how Tom Hanks talks about his typewriter collection because mm. he he collects uh, all sorts of typewriters. You know, classic ones. Um, you know, m- mobile ones that you carry around. You know, the big ones mm-hmm. and and he's um he's just when you hear him start talking about it really reminded me of the way that you've started talking about about your cameras i don't know if you've ever heard him be interviewed on it but it's uh, i'm aware that that's something that he's into i don't know if i've heard him talk at length about it but i fully understand and i assume he probably writes uh 
And, yeah. and I think that that's part of the thing, because there's actually a typewriter store in like seven blocks from my house. That, oh, wow. Uh, it's like a I, I think that it's been around for decades and most of their business, like any of these places, I would imagine is online. But they have a, a brick and mortar and uh, I don't own a typewriter because I would never use it. But I really understand it. Like, I, I yes. feel like if I ever got into doing writing as a thing that was like something I was doing often, I, I probably would be tempted to stop by the typewriter store and pick something up because <laughs> there is something about like physical mechanical objects. Yeah, the cameras that I'm most excited about these days are the ones that don't even have a battery in them. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, anything that has just like fully clockwork and gears and springs. Yeah, as and the sound. Makes go. The sound, uh, the sound is, yeah, the, 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 the physical experience of interacting with a mechanical object that's really well designed and well built and still functioning well is just incredibly satisfying. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm gonna cut myself off before going <laughs> down that rabbit hole. But no, yes. no, that's quite well. <laughs> incredibly satisfying. Very much sums up the last uh, two hours. So. Dave, for sure. I thank it. you. I really appreciate you coming thank on. You thank so you much, so man. much, um, Dave. You know, there's there's only two two more words left to say on this podcast. You know how we uh, how we end okay. our show. So I, we. I think I'm. I think I'm going to nail it. Enjoy I think you're going to nail it. Oh, oh I spoke it. over it. Say it again. You spoke over it. Say it again. Say it again. Enjoy collecting. Yes. yes. <laughs> Boom. Awesome. Lovely stuff. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Visuals and tasting notes for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. You can subscribe and leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash mccp. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Our podcast can be found by Googling at the MCC pod, which will also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Our Facebook community is at MCCW, Marvel Card Collectors Worldwide, and MMC, Marvel Masterpieces Collectors. The great music we use is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod. Thanks to the collectors, artists, and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. We'll see you next time. And remember, it's a small hobby, but a fun one. Make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting. <laughs> <laughs>